Welcome to the Family Church Sermon Podcast. Join us each week as we look to the Bible to seek out what it means to love God passionately and love people personally. For more information about our weekly gatherings and how you can be part of our outreach, visit jointhefamily.church. It is trust. The way through it is power. The way through it is direction, and that comes from Christ alone and Christ enthroned. And so today's message is going to be entitled The Throne, and we're going to be in two chapters, chapter 4 and chapter 5. We're going to read a little bit, talk about it, read a little bit more, talk about it, read a little bit more. Miss Becky started us off by looking at the first three verses, which really unpack this big idea of Jesus, uh, of, of God sitting on his throne and giving dominion to Jesus. And we see this, our big idea today is this, Jesus is king. Jesus is king. Now kings control, kings decide, kings determine our future and our destiny. Jesus is king. And let us never forget that. No, no matter how good, no matter how bad your week is, remember Jesus is king. Let's read Revelation 4, 1 through the beginning part of verse 6. After this, after this, and let's start, stop right there. After this, it means it's a literary shift. It's a literary shift from what the first three chapters were. We saw the first chapter introduce the book. It introduced the vision of the Son of Man. And then chapters two and three were a letter to the church. We talked about Revelation being a mixture of apocalypse, which is, which is, which is writing with imagery that that communicates a truth for all of time. We see that Revelation is prophecy, which is not only reminding us of, of God's law, of who he is, but also telling us what is to come. We also see that Revelation is a letter. It's meant to encourage the church. In fact, this is the way we read all of Revelation, is an encouragement to God's people. So after this, I looked, and behold... A door standing open in heaven. Doors open when when access is granted. Doors open when authority is seen. And the first voice, the first voice here, it goes all the way back to Revelation chapter 1 verse 10. It's the Son of Man. It's Jesus Christ. And the first voice, which is Jesus, which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet, talking about chapter 1, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. And at once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne in heaven stood with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald, and around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their head, and from the throne came flashes of lightning. Think about Mount Sinai when Old Testament, when Moses getting the law of God, and thunder, thunder roared, and lightning peeled, the same God, right? And it heard rumblings and peals of thunder, and before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal. Sea represents chaos in the scriptures. 
A sea of glass means that the sea is now still. It means that the foot of the throne of God, every, every nation bows. Every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord. All has been made new. So John hears this voice, and the voice says, come up here, it's Jesus Christ. And, and what he sees is John doesn't necessarily just completely describe the throne as much as he says what the throne does. The throne does this. What we see is our first point, the king sits on the throne. The king is enthroned. The king is enthroned. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father. He is enthroned in all glory. And John can't help but describe this. He uses imagery that Moses uses to, to talk about the presence of God because God is indescribable. He says it's as precious stones, jasper and carnelian. Is, this also echoes back to Ezekiel chapter 1 verses 26 and 27. I encourage you, if you ever have time, just go back to Ezekiel 1 and Isaiah chapter 6 where, where the throne room of God is described through the prophets. And we see in Ezekiel 1, 26 and 27, and above the expanse of their heads, talking about the four living creatures, there was a likeness of a throne and the appearance like sapphire. How did John describe it? Jasper and carnelian, precious stones, could only thing that could describe the greatness of the throne. And seated above, above the throne was one with the likeness of a human appearance. What was Jesus? Jesus was both God and what? Man. And there was brightness all around him. And part of this brightness, John describes as a rainbow. Y'all remember when a rainbow showed up in the Bible, story of Noah, a covenant that God made with his people that he wouldn't flood the earth again. In fact, the prophets describe the heavenly realms in Ezekiel 1 and, and here in Revelation 4 as if a rainbow were encircling all of God's glory. Rainbow, every color, every good thing that's out there magnifies Jesus, magnifies our King of Kings. We see 24 elders, and they're sitting on 24 thrones. Now, we, when we get into the symbolism of Revelation, the apocalypse side of it, we see that this meant something to the churches that were hearing it for the first time. Now we have to get, uh, we, we have to think hard about what does this mean to us? It doesn't mean that we always get the interpretation right. That's why you don't need to go down a rabbit hole in Revelation and lose sight of the big idea is that Revelation is all about Jesus. It's a blessing and it's for the church and it's meant to encourage us to be faithful to the end. And so what we see here possibly is the 24 elders possibly represent the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 disciples, the Old Testament and the New. That's what a lot of commentators believe. So both the Old Testament and the New, the 12 tribes of Israel, 12, 12 apostles. And we see that this, what this could represent, the 24 elders, is all created beings. All beings who know Jesus Christ as Lord. And what's the focus? Well, they have crowns. 
They're the, the created beings of God are the only, uh, humans are the only ones who have crowns, these elders, other than God himself. What does that mean? It means that in Christ, in Christ we've been given a position. We've been given a position in the heavenly places. In fact, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 says this, And God raised us up with Christ and seated him, us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. And what we'll see here is that we, we, we take those crowns and we throw them down for his glory. Because he alone deserves it. Let's keep reading uh, latter part of verse 6 into verse 11. And around the throne, one on each side of the throne, are four living creatures. Now, four, we, we know that scripture talks about the four winds of earth and the four winds of heaven. It, it literally means everything. It's encompassing. So probably four living creatures means all of creation. It could be something different, but that's uh, what people smarter than me probably think it is. And and each, each uh, around the throne are the four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. You're like, okay, this is starting to freak me out. They've got eyes all around them. Well, what eyes represent is what? Insight. You see things with your eyes. So these living creatures, they know all of God's glory. They know all of what God's doing. It's what we're promised in Revelation chapter 21, when all things will be made new, we will be with him and he will be our God and we will be his people. Revelation 22 says we will see him face to face. full of eyes, front and behind. And the first living creature was like a lion. And the second living creature was like an ox. And the third living creature was like the face of a man. Yeah, Revelation's getting interesting now, right? Yeah, yeah the, the third living creature had, had the face of a man. The fourth living creature was like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders who we just talked about, fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And just as, and I'm adding this commentary here, just as Roman emperors, they demanded that when you gave them uh, honor that you gave them gifts, that you gave them crowns, that you gave them spices. In fact, the king of kings that's sitting on the throne, what does it say? It said they cast their crowns down, right? Not to the emperor who was persecuting the church. No, they cast their crowns down to the king who's sitting on the throne. Amen. Amen. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and we were created. We know the scripture tells us that Christ is the first fruit of all creation. 
In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form or void, and the Spirit was hovering over the face of the deep. We know that God is creator. He's not detached from us as creation. God cares as creator. He cares for his creation. And so what we see in light of this, not only is the king enthroned, but the king is praised. The king is praised, and the king deserves all praise. Thank you, Reese, for, I never heard that Son of David song. It's a really, really good, powerful song. I praise God. There was one day in his courts, right? Then a thousand elsewhere. I love when we get to unite and we get to sing the praises of Jesus together as a church. The king is praised, and he deserves all praise. It says they never cease to say holy, holy, holy. Isaiah chapter 6, what was it? The seraphim were encircling the throne and they cried out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Some commentators believe maybe holy, holy, holy is Trinitarian. Maybe it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But we know that three, three is, encircles perfection. And so we see that there's nothing, nothing else that we could say to God other than holy, holy, holy. Holy means that you are set apart. Holy means that even though we want to try to fit God into our image, he doesn't fit into our image. Holy means that when we read a book like the book of Revelation, we're okay with mystery. Mike and I talked about this, especially when we were in the book of Ephesians, and Paul talks about the mystery of Ephesians 3 of Jew and Gentile coming together, how Christians, we're not comfortable with mystery anymore. We want everything explained. Well, you know what? We don't have to have everything explained. If How in the world does God determine everything that happens, yet we have a choice to follow him? I don't know how that works. I'm glad I serve a mysterious God who works beyond me. And he deserves all praise. That's not a cop-out. That's just good theology. Revelations hymns, Revelations cries of worship are crucial to the way we look at the book. Because they summarize what the, wor- what, the, what the book is all about. Revelation is a war of words. Revelation is a law of words. It's about our confession. It's about our confession in times of turmoil. It's about our confession in times of, of need. It's about our confession in times when everything seems to be going right. So they fall down. They fall down in submission and they give everything. They cast their crowns. History tells us the evil Roman emperor Domitian demanded not only crowns and gifts from his subjects, but he demanded that they refer to him as our Lord and God. Domitian, a created earthly ruler, demanded to be called Lord and God. Revelation is all about who is Lord and God. Jesus is king. The king is enthroned. The king is praised. Let's read chapter 5 together. Revelation 5, verse 1. Then I saw in the right hand, right hand represents authority. 
Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on back and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel with a loud voice who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals. Now the rest of the chapter is going to answer this question. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and look into it. And I, I talk about John. This is the one time John shows extreme emotion in this book. It says, I began to weep loudly. Why was he weeping? No one was able to open the scroll. No one was able to execute God's judgments. John was without hope. Do you ever weep aloud because you feel as if the scroll of your life isn't going to be unveiled by God? I began to weep loudly, and no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, good news right here, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And, and, and between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb. And this was a slaughtered lamb. And this lamb was what? He was standing. That doesn't make sense. How does a sacrificial lamb covered in blood, how, how in the world would it be standing? Maybe, maybe in fact, Easter Sunday, what? Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave. He rose again, right? He's standing. He's now standing at the right hand of the Father. And it says that I saw the Lamb standing as though it had been slain. With seven horns, horns represent power. And seven eyes, we talked about eyes meaning all-knowing. Which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all all the earth. And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was sitting on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp. Now harp, you know, we don't use harps on Sundays anymore, but in this time, a harp was like a modern, was like their guitar. So, Reese, you're doing warfare when you lead us in worship, right? each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Revelation is a war of words. It's a war of words. So even our confession, our prayers, are warfare. And they sang a new song. The new covenant tells us we need to, we need to sing new songs saying, Worthy are you, Lord, to take the scroll and open its seal, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people from God from every tribe and language and people and nation and made them a kingdom and priests to God, and they shall reign on the earth. The new heaven, the new earth, right? We are in already, not yet. We live by the power of the Spirit, which when it says seven spirits in Revelation, that's talking about the Holy Spirit, the seven sevenfold activity, the perfection of God's spirit working in and through us. Amen. And I 
looked and heard around the throne the living creatures, the elders, and the voice of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads, and thousands and thousands of Greeks did not have a unit above 10,000. So in fact, John's sitting here and he's saying, after 10,000, all you have is myriads. So he's saying myriads and myriads. Like there's, it's innumerable, the amount of praise and the amount of creatures that are now praising God and saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive, now get this, seven, seven things. See, power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. This praise was perfect. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be fourfold. All of us should say this. Blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said amen. Amen means let it be so. And the elders fell down and worshiped. The king is enthroned, the king is praised, but let us never forget the king is here. The king is here, the king came. I thought about saying the king has come, but that shouldn't, us looking back to the incarnation of Christ should not, should not keep us from the fact that he's here right now. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father, but we have his presence here in this place right now. We live in that power and for his glory alone. Isaiah 11, uh, skipping around verses 1 through 10, says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. If you don't know who Jesse is, Jesse was David's father. And we know that scripture tells us that from the throne of David will come one who reigns everlasting. And we can, we can, Jesus' earthly lineage is traced all the way back to King David. So what we see here is there shall come forth one from the stump or the root of Jesse from David's throne and a branch from his root shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. This is the sevenfold activity. Spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, knowledge and fear of the Lord. But with righteousness he shall judge, judge the poor and decide with equity the meek on the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. His word calls all of us to repentance. And with the breath of his lips, he shall kill the wicked. Jesus is the one enthroned who's worthy to open the scroll, which is God's judgment upon those who are wicked and evil and our hope for eternal life in him. Jesus is the one who's worthy to judge. Scripture says this, the wolf shall dwell or lie down with the lamb and they shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in that day, the root of Jesse, talking about Jesus, who shall stand as a signal for all the people, of him shall the nations inquire. And guess what? And his resting place will be glorious. Glorious. The king is here. Restoration is here. And his name is Jesus. Let us never, ever, ever forget that. Amen. Amen. So 
one August and one said, You awaken us to delight in your praise, for you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Whenever it seems hell is coming your way, whenever it seems that there is no hope, whenever it seems as if everyone has abandoned you, whenever this restlessness comes up, whether it be at night, y'all have ever nightmares? We all have restless nights of sleep. Whenever this restlessness comes, remember we serve the one who gives what? Rest. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. The king is enthroned. The king is praised. The king is here. And the king's name is Jesus. Jesus is king. And let us never forget that. He is the one that's worthy to open the scrolls. He is the one that's worthy to execute God's judgment. He is the one that's worthy to rescue us as his people. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him wouldn't have to perish, but would have everlasting life. He's our king. He's our king, and no one else is. We get today to worship and follow our king. And so I want to invite you to join the family, the family that's united with one king. One king. His name is Jesus. I'd like to invite you, Romans 10, 13 says, everyone who calls upon the name of our King, upon the Lord, Jesus Christ, shall be saved. Call upon him today. Get as many people as you can to call upon him. The greatest way that we can honor our, I think about Timothy and, and how Timothy was reminded by Paul of his grandmother and mother who labored for him so that Timothy would have an opportunity. I'm reminded of the women in my life on this Mother's Day who have labored so that I can be here today, including my own mother sitting right in front of me. And the greatest way that we can honor who has poured into us today is to pour into someone else. That's why Mike reminded us that You don't have to be a biological mother to be a spiritual mother. You don't have to be a biological father to be a spiritual father. God's calling us to give his, as we are filled with the spirit, to pour out so that other people may taste of that goodness and that they would see that Jesus is king and he is worthy of our worship and he's worthy for us to follow him today. Let's pray and let's respond today. Lord, we thank you so much for being king. Lord, we thank you for Revelation 4 and 5. Lord, sometimes we read these verses and we'll read verses later on in the book, Lord, that God, sometimes they freak us out a little bit. Lord, we don't know exactly what's happening. But what we do know is that your power and your might are indescribable. That you're enthroned. You're worthy of all praise. And you are here right now for your church, for our good and your glory alone. So God, today I pray that you would be here in this place. I pray that you would touch our hearts. Help us to respond. Help us to respond to all of who you are. Help us to respond with lives poured out for you. Help us to go out today, this Mother's Day, and the rest of this week. And Lord, when darkness may seem like it's falling, God, help 
purpose to remember that we have the light of your glory, the light that makes every evil thing flee. Because we worship a king who's enthroned with all glory, all power, all brightness, all might. Jesus, today we give ourselves to you. It's in your name we respond. Amen. Would you stand? We're going to sing a song of response.